Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Parliament resumes for a final session leading up to the summer break. What makes this interesting is if all the rumours are true, and I don't know whether to believe in them or not, frankly, of a fall election, this could be the last few weeks they're sitting before they're out in the campaign trail. MPs vote on a bill to align all of Canada's laws and statutes with the United Nations Declaration on Indigenous Peoples. Some groups have argued that the bill, in its actual wording, would leave Indigenous people in Canada further behind than if it weren't passed at all. And when will we be seeing Canadian leaders travelling to international summits again? Thank you first to uh, dear Mario for, uh, and Ursula uh, for your leadership and for bringing us together today. It is so good to see so many other friends gathered here as well from around the world. It's Tuesday, May 25th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you for joining us today. And happy day after long weekend to (laughs) you and everybody else out there. Yeah, and it's not just the day after a long weekend, but Parliament is resuming today. And this is the final stretch. And it's kind of unusual and feels weird to describe it in those terms because it's not Parliament as usual, of course. It's pandemic Parliament and very different from what we're accustomed to. But uh, this is the final sitting of Parliament uh, before it will rise for the summer break. So what do you expect as Parliament resumes and and what do you expect between now and the middle of June when it will wrap for the summer? Well, in normal times, this is when we all write those stories saying it's about time the MPs had a break because they're all at each other's throats. (laughs) Um, They they lose their patience with each other. I'm not sure much exists anyway. Mm. Uh, What makes this doubly interesting, I think, even though most of them are virtually here, what makes this interesting is... If all the rumors are true, and I don't know whether to believe in them or not, frankly, uh, of a fall election, this could be the last few weeks they're sitting before they're out in the campaign trail. And again, many, many things have to happen for that too. But that's going to mean that we're going to see what the government wants to get passed. uh, And and we may see some late night sittings. Um, I think uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what the government wants to do with C10. This, um, this, they've got the support for it from the Bloc and the NDP, the NDP, I think. But, um, but that has turned into a controversy they'd rather not have. And whether they want to get it out of the way before the election. Uh, and, and anyway, see, I, I think this is going to be an interesting few weeks to see what the government feels it needs to do to sort of get everything locked down before the fall. Yeah. And you bring up an interesting point, because in theory, this could be not just the last sitting of this session of Parliament, but the last sitting of this Parliament, and we could have an election in the fall. And depending on the timing of that election and the outcome of that election and the decisions that are made after it, this could be the final time Parliament sits in 2021. It's conceivable that yeah. that and uh, and to put it another way, it could be the final time that Parliament sits during this pandemic, because maybe if there is an election, whenever Parliament resumes after the election, things will be more back to normal, almost back to normal. Let's put it that way, uh, if not all the way. And uh, I think a number of questions arise from that around the future of Parliament. We've So many things have changed uh, about the way people interact with each other, the way they communicate, the way they do business, and the way politics works uh, during the past 15 months that 
I wonder if there are any permanent changes that will result from this. Will we see in the future virtual sittings of Parliament where MPs can stay in their constituencies for longer and join in by by uh, their computers? Uh, you know, will there be different things that will arise because of this pandemic? Yeah, I interviewed Melanie Jolie, who yeah. is the Regional Economic Development Minister, uh, and she let drop the news that she is trying, she's going through fertility treatments right now, trying to become a mother. And one of the things that she is hoping, if this, not only is she hoping it's successful, but that Parliament, some of the changes that we've seen put in place in Parliament will continue. That mothers of young children, people who have to travel a long way, that maybe Parliament will have a bit more latitude now to let people, I mean, not all of them, but let people do things at a distance. And it's funny, you know, we've been talking to MPs. Aaron O'Toole came in to uh, talk to the Stars editorial board earlier this year, and he said that being around his children, he realized how much politics had taken him away from his children. And that, that the, pan- the benefit of the pandemic was was that that he could have a more normal family life. And does Parliament want to think about that for the future? I think we're going to see an interesting debate about that within all the parties, about some of these measures. Would they make Parliament more friendly to people with young children or people who have to travel long distances weekly? You know, we've seen people quit politics because they just couldn't handle those demands. And the one tiny silver lining of this pandemic has been that people haven't had to commute as much or or spend their their whole life on the road. So that's an interesting debate that's coming too. All right, we'll be talking more about that in the weeks and months ahead, I'm sure. Um, Now, speaking of Aaron O'Toole, the Conservative leader uh, tweeted a photo of uh, himself enjoying a beer after a run on the long weekend and wished everybody a good long weekend. And uh, there was some reaction to it, asking whether it was uh, appropriate for, you know, he tweeted that his wife had gotten him the beer when he got back from his run. Uh, he responded to that by tweeting a picture of himself getting his wife a glass of wine on another day. Um, what, what did you make of all of that? Uh, it, I, it's interesting how every little thing in politics today, even a seemingly innocuous innocuous tweet um could could provoke such a reaction yeah it's uh it, it's, it's idle hands um and, perhaps and not yeah. having, you know i think we a couple of weeks ago we had the great sticker debate on trudeau's computer it was a he, he was using a borrowed computer and somebody had stuck a fake apple logo on it and that was a scandal for about half a day mm. um I, I, I'm going to I'm going to make a, a rule in whatever the imaginary rule book is of Canadian politics. Never mention beer. Beer always gets you in trouble. I don't know I, if you remember back to the 2006 election or just before then. Uh, Paul Martin's people famously talked about beer and popcorn mm. in the context of childcare uh, money. Uh, Jean Chrétien. You go even further back. Once accidentally said that unemployed people don't want to sit around drinking beer all day and got in trouble for that. So just leave beer out of the thing. It just makes people crazy. <laughs> and it is, um, I didn't see anything really that wrong with the, the tweet. You know, I think he was, uh, Aaron O'Toole is trying to introduce himself to people as an ordinary guy. And um, it is, it is not um, a high crime for your wife to get you a beer. I guess it is if she's, 
if you just finished a morning run. But I, I'm assuming <laughs> this was in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I saw one person respond by simply saying, look, uh, a, a spouse did something nice for their spouse. And, you know, yeah. it, it uh, that can happen both ways. It's not necessarily a sexist thing uh, every time. So anyway, let's talk about the RCMP for a moment. We've been, of course, following the developments and uh, the, the investigations and allegations of improprieties and inappropriate behavior in the senior ranks of the Canadian Armed Forces. This is an issue the RCMP has dealt with in the past, and the Commissioner, Brenda Lucky, has said there's no room for sexual assault and harassment among the Mounties, but the CBC has done a report saying that the penalties uh, are all over the place, and very few people uh, who were cited for sexual misconduct had to lose their jobs as a result. So is this going to raise some questions, do you think? Yeah, I think because, you know, we're talking about this everywhere and we're talking about this in, you know, the the RCMP isn't military, but it's kind of quasi-military. It's it's about... Um, it's about power, and it's a, it's been an, a male-dominated institution for years. So many of the problems you're seeing and hearing about are going to be similar. Um, it, you know, this does start a debate. It, this started way back with Me Too. Uh, in in non-military and non-police context, is is it always a capital offense? Is it always a firing offense to be guilty of sexual misconduct? And you know, there's there's a, a big debate about whether too many people are losing their jobs. Uh, this one seems to indicate that that um, the RCMP, I think it's most, says uh, in Kat Tenney's story, most were allowed to keep their jobs. I I don't know whether that that means that the RCMP is not serious about cracking down on this, but certainly that'll be the allegations that that they. If they were serious about this, more people would be losing their jobs. Yeah. All right. Just quickly, uh, you drew my attention actually to the fact that um, that th- there seems to be uh, uh, more interest among other world leaders and members of cabinet and and uh, and other politicians in traveling to international gatherings. A lot of G seven and G twenty and other. Uh, gatherings have been done virtually recently, so um, we're seeing American officials going on the road a little bit more. Does that mean that Christia Freeland, the Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister, does that mean that the Foreign Affairs Minister, Marc Arnault, or even the Prime Minister himself will start doing more travel as um, as we start to emerge from this pandemic? Uh, this is something I'm going to be watching for today because Janet Yellen, the uh, Treasury Secretary in the United States, announced that she was be attending a G7 meeting of finance ministers next week, June 4th, thereabouts. Uh, Mark Garneau, our foreign affairs minister, has attended. He was the first to uh, to step off soil, and it, I think that started something. So I'll be... I, I fully expect Krista Freeland to announce that she's probably going to attend this. And from what I'm hearing, uh, unless something happens, the Prime Minister will be going to the G7 in Cornwall, England, uh, over the weekend of June 11th to the 13th, hmm. thereabouts. Uh, he's taking a delegation of about 20, I think. And uh, many, many... He's going to have to quarantine when he gets back. But it, it sounds like we are returning to the days of uh, 
our our government actually now deciding to to travel abroad. The Prime Minister was asked about this a couple of weeks ago in the Commons and kind of made it clear that that he thinks it's time for him to meet in person. Uh, But, uh, you know, there's going to be questions about how many shots he's got, um, Mm. what kind of measures, how many people he's bringing, what kind of bubble is created at, uh, at this G7. But Biden has said he's going. I think the prime minister, he's only met virtually with the U.S. president. I think he will go just for the chance yeah. to sit down with Biden. So sure. uh, I expect this week that we're going to start to see more ministers leaving the country. We will see what happens as we head into the final stretch here. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today in the Montreal Gazette. Lise Ravery argues Bill 96 is about the survival of a people. Ravery writes, If you think Bill 96 is about language, you are missing the bigger picture. It is less about who speaks what, when, and where than about hanging on to one's language and culture, while also interacting in harmony with those who don't belong to the same tribe. It's about respecting everyone's right to exist side by side, or together, and to flourish despite differences. In an editorial, the Globe and Mail considers the response to the housing market. The Globe writes, The Bank of Canada is just the latest institution to worry about the direction of Canada's housing market. Yet for all the concerns, there isn't much any of this country's policymakers are willing to do about it. The federal Liberals have been timid. Provincial governments are behaving likewise. Municipalities, too. This despite the urging of numerous economists. At Policy Options, Tamara Daly, Ivy Lynn Bourgeau, and Katie Albrecht argue changing the long-term care ethos will require creating national principles. They write, COVID-19 turned a wicked problem into a deadly one. Doing nothing is not an option. We need a forward-looking approach with a new set of national principles, federal funding, and a shift away from the idea that care is a commodity. There has never been as much public attention paid to long-term care as at this moment, nor have we ever been as close to consensus that we can and should do more to disrupt the vicious cycle in the sector. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. There will be two votes this afternoon in the House of Commons, one on not holding an election during the pandemic, and the other on the government's bill to align all of Canada's laws and statutes with the United Nations Declaration on Indigenous Peoples. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, the first vote is on a Bloc Québécois motion debated last week, saying that given that more than 1.3 million Canadians have been infected and 25,000 died because of COVID, and stating that it would be irresponsible to provoke an election, the motion calls on the government to, quote, make every effort possible to ensure that voters are not called to the polls while the pandemic continues. It'll be interesting to see if the motion passes. It probably probably will. But it's worth noting, of course, that motions of the House of Commons are not binding on the government. The second vote this afternoon will be on the government's Bill C-15, legislation which had died on the order paper before the last election and has been revived, is following through on the much-awaited commitment to bring Canada's federal laws and statutes into alignment with the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. It is a landmark in recognizing Indigenous rights in Canada, but it has divided Indigenous Canadians. Some groups have argued that the bill, is actual, in its actual wording, would leave Indigenous people in Canada further behind than if it weren't passed at all. 
Other groups, including several provincial natural resources ministers, have argued that the bill would actually give too much power to Indigenous people to block resource development projects. Uh, nonetheless, it has garnered majority support in the House so far. Last week, major religious groups across the country rallied behind the bill and called for its passage. Mark, the bill has already been submitted to the Senate for what's called pre-study, a procedure which would allow the senators to get a quicker start on their look and their debate on the bill. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will be in private meetings, then speak with the President of Indonesia, and then address Canadians on the COVID-19 situation and hold a media availability. The Minister of Public Services, Anita Anand, and the Chief Public Health Officer of Canada, Dr. Theresa Tam, will be there as well. Also, the Prime Minister will attend question period. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will virtually attend question period. And Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau will hold a virtual discussion with experts in the field of food waste. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, May 25th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all today's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.